lights, camera. Nancy, you know those movie clicker things? On January 6th, when democracy was hanging by a thread, Nancy Pelosi was starring in a movie. No kidding, a documentary crew led by her own daughter was there filming away. You know, when you, I saw this yesterday, it looked like two uh, people arguing with a pizza guy about a late delivery, but it was actually a part of a major film project. Cameras were with her all day long. I think they were tipped off. Maybe by Nancy, you think? That something really big just might happen? I mean, why follow Nancy Pelosi around ever? Well, it turns out Nancy Pelosi's daughter, Alexandra Pelosi, is something of a documentary filmmaker, meaning she makes movies that people don't want to see and would never pay for. She made her name in the industry back when she followed George W. Bush around in 2000 when he was running for president. George W. Bush announced that he was running for president. I packed my bags and left my home in New York City to join the Bush Traveling Press Corps. See, that's me reporting for duty in Iowa on my way to my first Bush interview. Miss Pelosi, how are you? Hi. I didn't get a chance to officially introduce myself to you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I've always liked your stylishness. Alexandra's really good with the camera work and framing and cinematography. Where the hell is George W. Anyway, somehow she gets by as a filmmaker. I think it does have a lot to do with her last name, Pelosi. And on January 6th, she was there with her mom capturing all the drama. We're getting a counterpoint that is going to take time uh, to clean up the poo-poo that they're making all over them, literally and figuratively in the Capitol. Nobody's listening to her. Notice <laughs> she's talking to herself and it's gibberish. There's more. Hi, Mr. Vice President. Hi. Yeah, we're okay. We're here with Mr. Schumer, Mr. McConnell, the leadership, House and Senate. And uh, how are you? Oh, my goodness. Where are you? God bless you. January 6th, where were you? Nancy was on the phone. But watch, now she's really going to start making decisions. We've gotten a very bad report about the conditions of, of the um, house floor with defecation and all that kind of thing. Okay, and that caused that. Okay, I worry about you being in that capital room. Uh-huh. Don't let anybody know where you are. All right, the decision she made was to eat a Slim Jim. Did you see that? Is that natural? I don't, I don't take her for a beef jerky person. And I say that as a beef jerky person. This is bizarre footage. CNN is acting like it's important that somehow we're learning about the insurrection and democracy and what a hero she is. That's what they're really saying about this. I think that this documentary footage is so valuable on so many levels, historically, as well as setting the record straight. Because you may remember there were all sorts of right wing hosts who tried to pivot away from Donald Trump's complete abdication yep. of any sort of responsibility to, well, what was Nancy Pelosi doing that day? Where was she? And now we know 
She was eating beef jerky in a conference room, talking on the phone. <laughs> okay, history has been set straight. This is all utterly bizarre, and now it's about to get a bit more bizarre-er. The video that you guys played showing the, member, the congressional leaders and their actions on January 6th, it was clear to me that Donald Trump was not the commander-in-chief on January 6th. Nancy Pelosi was the commander-in-chief on January 6th with the assistance of congressional leadership, people like Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell. Uh, but Donald Trump failed in his oath once again uh, to the American people, and he certainly failed the law enforcement agencies that were defending the Capitol uh, from a riotish group of his supporters. Michael Fanon, you failed. You and those law enforcement agencies, yes, on January 6th. It's not President Trump's job to go down to this hallway and find out why these cops are just standing there when people walk on in. It's also not the president's job to figure out why that Capitol Hill cop is escorting the horns guy right into the Senate chamber. You want to go behind that desk? Sure, knock yourself out. I'll even take a picture of you. All right, back to Nancy. Uh, we have to remember what an oddball she is. All right, quick review. Remember when she stood up behind President Trump and destroyed government property? It's kind of amazing. There she is doing it on national television. What they accuse Trump of doing, she's doing, and everybody can see it, and nobody calls her on it. How about during covid when everybody was shut down, wearing masks, staying inside, she goes out to the beauty parlor right in the middle of it. You see that guy's wearing a mask. She's not in September of 20, just getting her hair done. That obscene obsession she has with ice cream. I mean, uh, I think she has a problem. And the in-your-face kind of I'm powerful, you're not. I'm going to Taiwan. I don't care what the State Department says. And I'm bringing my 50-something-year-old son with me. Yeah. What was this guy doing there? Attending meeting after meeting. I mean, I think they might be following the Hunter Joe Biden playbook. What do you think? And of course, let's not forget about her husband, who was recently in a very mysterious car accident. And ooh, on January 6th, not only was her daughter, Alexandra, there, but so was this guy. His name is Paul. It's Nancy Pelosi's son-in-law. What the hell was he doing there on January 6th? All this to say that Nancy has problems. Secret Service said they have dissuaded him from coming to Capitol Hill. They told him they don't have the resources to protect him here. So at the moment, he is not coming, but that could change. Oh, he comes. I'm going to punch him out. This oh, is my mom. I would pay to see I'm waiting for this, for trespassing on the Capitol grounds. I'm going to punch him out, and I'm going to go to jail, and I'm going to be happy. That's a big problem, actually. To me, this is evidence that this was a setup. I've been waiting for this, and I'm going to punch him, but I've been waiting for this. This is incriminating evidence, I do believe. And I agree with President Trump about this, lady. That crazy Nancy, she is crazy. <laughs> Crazy Nancy, crazy as a bedbug. She's crazy as a bedbug. 
Crazy Nancy. I tell you what, I've been watching her and I have I have been watching her for a long period of time. She's not the same person. Uh, she's lost it. Not only is she kind of crazy, I think she lacks integrity. You know, Donald Trump new to politics. He only served one term in office. Nancy Pelosi has been floating around politics her entire life, including her childhood. That's her as a little kid with her father, who was the longtime mayor of Baltimore. Here's Nancy Pelosi a few years later hanging around JFK. I wonder, nah, I don't wonder anything. I'm sure everything was just, just fine. What I'm trying to say is back then, politics was a lot more secretive than it is today. When Joe Biden ran for the Senate in 1972, you know what was happening in America? Uh, J. Edgar Hoover was still the FBI director while he was campaigning. Isn't that interesting? It was a totally different world. And all this secrecy was tolerated, although a lot of that stuff is coming back. Isn't it amazing? The left totally hated J. Edgar Hoover. And now the left totally embraces Jim Comey and FBI leadership. Uh, we have come a, uh, a long way. All right. Back to uh, the matter of honesty or lack thereof. Who remembers this on Inauguration Day from him? Before God and all of you, I give you my word. I will always level with you. Man, he did not have to bring God into it. He shouldn't have because he hasn't been. He hasn't been leveling with us. Big matters and small. This is actually pretty big. Some of your Democratic allies on Capitol Hill are afraid that the U.S. got played when you went to Saudi Arabia and fist bumped with the crown prince because now, obviously, a few months later, Saudi-backed OPEC is slashing oil production in partnership with Russia. Do you think it's time for the U.S. to rethink its relationship with Saudi Arabia? Yes. And by the way, let's get straight why I went. I didn't go to one about oil. I went about making sure that we made sure that we weren't going to walk away from the Middle East and what was going on. Everybody knew that oil was topic number one. Everybody knows we're not going to walk away from the Middle East as well. He's lying. He's lying after that solemn promise before God. He's not leveling with us, and everybody knows it. So dealing with really, really high gas prices, uh, Saudi Arabia is one of the world's largest producers of oil. Uh, so there is some incentive for the president to perhaps make some headway uh, on some sort of agreement that could lower the price of gas. And the president did leave with an expectation that more oil will be flowing into the market that could bring Americans some relief. But there was no firm announcement. President Biden is heading home amid the fallout from his controversial trip to Saudi Arabia and that friendly fist bump with the Saudi crown prince, a country he once said he wanted to make a pariah, now at the center of the president's efforts to shore up global oil markets. Everybody knows that oil was part of the deal. He just said it wasn't. He just said it wasn't. And now that OPEC and Saudi Arabia, they've announced that they'll be producing two billion barrels less per day directly contrary to President Biden's wishes, President Biden then goes on to say, we're going to penalize Saudi Arabia about something that I did not actually bring up. He just told the interviewer. It wasn't about oil. OK, but you but, would. But we should. We should. And I am uh, in the process when the when the uh, 
this House and Senate gets back, they're going to have to, uh, there's going to be some consequences for what they've done with Russia. See how this works? He's not leveling with us. Russia also reducing production. And he screwed up. He has screwed up this relationship with a very powerful ally that every president has taken very, very seriously and maintained and maintained. President Trump, his first trip overseas was to Saudi Arabia. Barack Obama, for all of his faults, took the relationship very seriously. We need friends over there. Same for George W. Bush. Bill Clinton maintained and enhanced the relationship. George H.W. Bush, before that, Ronald Reagan. Yes, hello, we need a place from where we can project force if we have to, right? <laughs> Makes sense, everybody? And Biden screwed it up. Biden went over there with that goofy fist bump, making demands. He's not good at this. He's not good at this, even though he told us he was good at this. So I've been dealing with foreign policy for longer than anybody is involved in this process right now. Look, I've known every major world leader because of the nature of my job as a head of the Foreign Relations Committee, then doing foreign policy for Barack, and now. I've spent a lot of time with foreign leaders from the leader of China, Russia, et cetera. Because I was vice president. And All right, we get the point. It goes on like this. But you know what? Maybe Joe just believed his own press clippings because that's what the media said about him, too. Joe Biden knows foreign policy. He comes to this job with more experience than any new president since George H.W. Bush. Of course, foreign policy is seen as one of Joe Biden's biggest strengths. Biden's foreign policy team is highly intelligent and capable. No one has ever brought as much foreign policy expertise and experience to the presidency as Joe Biden. All hype, not true. And he just blew it in a huge, huge way. Got owned by the Saudis and we will pay the price. Also, this all stems from the domestic screw up, cutting back on our oil production. We are in a bad, bad place, but it could change in a matter of weeks. Hey, stay with us. Did you see that beautiful painting in London was defaced by these nut jobs, but something they, uh, something they did not consider when we come back. Hey, look at that beautiful painting. Uh, it's a Vincent Van Gogh. How about that Vincent Van Gogh? You know, he, he died destitute, never sold one painting. He was so upset, he cut off his own ear. I think he'd be happy or mad to know that uh, 100 or so years later, his paintings sell for $90 million. Anyway, look at what happened to this beautiful painting today in London. of environmental nutjob kids threw SpaghettiOs all over that beautiful painting. And now they got a special message, and I've got one for them, too. Take a look.
So they're putting crazy glue on their hands and sticking it to the wall. What is worth more, art or life? Is it worth more? All right, all right, all right. It's just a bunch of environmental gibberish. They hate everything. But um, interesting thing about this uh, activist. Notice anything? Take a look. Her hair. It's purple. It's not naturally purple. I looked it up. Nobody has purple hair naturally. You know what goes in purple hair? All kinds of chemicals. I mean, everything is in there. This is only a small portion of the chemicals that are on her head right now. Benzenes, uh, diophilatium, whatever the hell that is, aluminum, uh, ammonia, lead, and on and on and on. Hey, wellness and taking care of the environment, I think it starts at home and on your head. All right. Oh. Yeah, and what happens to all those chemicals? They end up in the oceans, they hurt fish, uh, toxic to humans, the environment, can cause cancer. Think about that, Missy, before you mess with uh, Vincent Van Gogh. All right, she's in London, and that reminds me of Queen Kathy Hochul, uh, the governor of New York. Look at her. I mean, surrounded by security, waving just like she's the queen. Now, she is hiding in this election, just hiding, trying to run out the clock. Uh, She only talks about abortion, doesn't want to talk about crime, doesn't want to talk about anything important. She's ducking her opponent, a guy named Lee Zeldin, who's doing very well. You know, when the city was falling apart. Oh, first, this is her number one issue, abortion. Listen. I have three messages regarding the persistent assault on women's rights and a woman's right to determine and make her own decisions about her own body. And they are simple messages. Not here, not now, not ever. Ooh, wow, she's tough, right? She's tough. It's a phony baloney issue. Abortion for a number of reasons. I don't like it, but it's here to stay in New York, given the makeup of the legislature and everything else. It's like 70 percent Democrat here in New York. So she makes a big deal out of this. But the things that she can really affect, like public safety, when New York was burning during Black Lives Matter summer, I mean, it was totally falling apart. She was lieutenant governor of this state. And what did she say she should do? I realize that my voice is not the important one right now. I'm here to listen and will use my platform to help promote other voices speaking up against systematic racism and injustice. Black lives matter. Well, aren't you virtuous? I was in this city as it was burning up and nobody was protecting us. It really, really was a bad, bad time. So she can't run on public safety. She's not interested in public safety. She wants to make this abortion issue a big, 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 big thing. And today, her opponent, Republican Lee Zeldin, uh, called her out on it in pretty spectacular fashion. Kathy Hochul knows the more you focus on her record, rising crime, pay-to-play corruption, higher cost of living, the less you'll want her as governor. So she needs to change the subject. Her latest attempt, trying to deceive New Yorkers regarding abortion. Let me be clear. As governor, I will not change and could not change New York's abortion law. Hochul already knows that, yet she tried to deceive you anyhow, which tells you everything you'll ever need to know about Kathy Hochul. He nailed it. This guy has the 
pretty good chance right now of being the first Republican to take the New York governorship from a Democrat since 1994, almost 30 years ago. All right, remember Paul Ryan? Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House, uh, the boys' speaker, became Mitt Romney's running mate, famous for losing to Joe Biden in a talking contest. That's, uh, that's kind of tough to do, if you ask me. Also famous for undermining Donald Trump's agenda. He didn't like Trump. He made it known in big ways and small. And he's got a few things to say now that he's a private citizen about the political landscape. I think Trump's unelectability will be palpable by then. We all know that he will lose, or he's, let me put it this way. We all know that he's so much more likely to lose the White House than anybody else running for president on our side of the aisle. So why would we want to go with that? So the only reason he stays where he is is because everybody's afraid of him. This is the same junk he was saying back in 2016. Trump will lose all the rhinos, all the swamp saying Trump would lose. And take a look at these numbers, Paul. <laughs> uh, Republicans want him to run. They want him to run, and he baits the competition by a mile. 86% of GOP voters strongly support Trump uh, running in 2024. And back to Paul Ryan. <laughs> you know, he's a private citizen now, or is he? He goes around. You know what his job is? He runs the office of the 54th Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. I mean, that's like still a job. It's a title that America gave him and he cashes in on it, making millions and millions of dollars and being wrong on politics like he has been for most of his career. All right. Take a look at this, please. Hate to do it to you, but it's Liz Cheney's big announcement from yesterday. We are obligated to seek answers directly from the man who set this all in motion. And every American is entitled to those answers so we can act now to protect our republic. So this afternoon, I am offering this resolution that the committee direct the chairman to issue a subpoena for relevant documents and testimony under oath from Donald John Trump in connection with the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol. What is she even still doing there? She got beat by like 40 points, right? All right, pretty soon she goes home. Donald Trump responded in a uh, massive letter with some great points. Number one, he wanted to talk about the election. And you know what? He's entitled to. And he says this, since 1888, no incumbent president has gained votes and lost reelection. I received many millions more votes in 2020 than I did in 2016. Unheard of in our political history. That is fascinating. Next, when you win Ohio, Florida, and Iowa, which I did in a landslide, no president has lost the general election since 1960. That is very interesting. We swept all four bellwether states, Iowa, Florida, Ohio, and North Carolina, that have correctly predicted election winners since 1896. These are the root causes, everybody. Yet somehow Biden beat Obama with the black population in select swing state cities. 
but nowhere else. Imagine that, Biden beating Obama. Next, please. Uh, It is all not possible or very likely, but should have been a major subject of your committee's work because it was the election result that brought this record-breaking crowd to Washington, D.C. on January 6th. Also this, the Department of Defense timeline shows that National Guard troops could have easily been present at the Capitol before January 6th, and that I fully authorize this recommendation and request. Regarding the committee itself, there is no due process, no cross-examination, no real Republican members, therefore no legitimacy. And you have not gone after the people that created the fraud, but rather great American patriots who questioned it, as is their constitutional right. It's amazing. Only he is saying it, but it's true. It's true. There are valid and legitimate questions about what went down in 2020. And this is still America, and you're still allowed to ask them. And you know what? To ensure a safe election in the future, we need voter ID. And 79% of the people support photo ID requirements to vote. How about that? And they say this is undemocratic. People want this, and they say it's undemocratic. All right, oh, we've got to talk about big tech for a second. As we get closer to the midterms, big tech is working very, very much against us. Let's go through it. Um, They are, well, a lot of emails are ending up in spam. That doesn't seem to happen to Democrats, though. They send out emails like, uh, and they go to 10% go to spam, but 77% of the GOP emails that are sent out go to spam. And Ronna McDaniel, uh, hopefully she's all over it. She says she is. Google does not deliver any of our emails. So we go from 100% deliverability or 90% deliverability, deliverability to zero. The last four days of the month, when we're calling people to action to go register or to go vote, It is absolute suppression. This has been happening for the past 10 months. Things happening with Twitter as well. I've got a pretty hot Twitter account until lately. I I noticed I put something up and uh, doesn't really penetrate. Not much interaction, not much reaction. It happened literally overnight and only three and a half weeks to go before the election. Something is up. All right, folks, stay with us. We're going to meet a very special person, happens to be transgender, uh, a woman in her 50s who believes the transgender craze is potentially deadly and that children are being victimized. She's an important voice in all this. We'll be right back. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? And here we go again, another mass shooting. Uh, Five people killed, including an off-duty cop in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, Five people, and the suspect, by the way, is a 15-year-old in custody right now. And you know what's going to happen for much of the weekend on the cable networks. There will be a discussion about gun control. And I got a message from a very wise person today. And they say it's not about weapons. They will always make that argument. Why don't we examine what are the things that lead people to do this? Loneliness, lack of community, 
video games, social media, lack of spirituality, lack of religion. People are finding community on these weird chat rooms on the web. We need to bring traditional values back so we are there for people when they stray. When the left disses religion, takes huge donations from tech barons, and supports denigrating our police force, this is what we get. The left needs to look at this with the same introspection that they asked when they revisit gun laws. I think that's some great advice. Daryl Brooks should be a household name, but uh, no one ever talks about this guy. I mean, he's a bad guy, but what he did, maybe that should be on people's minds. That horrible Christmas parade attack. He killed how many people? Six? A little kid and uh, some elderly people? Allegedly, of course, it hasn't been proven yet in court, but the evidence is overwhelming that this guy was motivated by black identity extremism. And he's defending himself in court. And it's pretty ugly. He's acting as his own lawyer. And, uh, well, what do they say? When, when you're your own lawyer, you have a fool as a client. And that's what's happening here. Your discussion or whatever we want to call it this morning, I'm not taking it up. Issue. All right. It is irrelevant. It, it needed to be noted for the record. It doesn't need it to was, be noted, sir. All right. The jury's me, coming back out and I'm going court. to warn you, if you bring this up again, I will pause and I will remove you to the next courtroom for being disrespectful, for being interruptive, for being disruptive and for bringing up irrelevant matters in front of this jury. You will forfeit your right to be present for the direct examination of this witness. It's pretty wild, kind of interesting, but you won't see it much on court TV or anywhere else because, well, the suspect is black and the victims are white. And that makes the mainstream media these days very, very uncomfortable. And our political leadership, they have no interest in it, especially Democrats. Um, Joe Biden only responds when he can create this uh, white supremacy narrative. Even when he can't, he tries to. Remember the spa shootings? Law enforcement said it wasn't white supremacy. Buffalo, the guy uh, apparently looked at some website once, although he hated everybody, including... Actually, he liked the environmental. He's a nut job. He was all over the place. But they went up there to Buffalo to try to say it was white supremacy. No word about this guy, a radical Islamic uh, nut job who opened fire, killed 10 people in Boulder, Colorado. Not a word, not a word. Again, anytime there's a it's a white person and maybe they can try to make it into white supremacy. That's what Joe Biden does. He's trying to rip this country apart and he doesn't care what the truth is. <laughs> he does not care. More on his um, disregard for the truth in a little bit. Please stay with us. All right, puberty blockers, puberty blockers. Can you imagine a drug that delays puberty? Well, they're everywhere now. And even formerly politically incorrect comedians think they're the greatest thing and are defending them and promoting them. Remember Jon Stewart? He's now all into this stuff. Take a look. Puberty blockers aren't changing people permanently. They're, they're just not. And the bar to get things that have maybe slightly more permanence to it is higher. And it takes longer. That's how the guidelines have been developed. Arkansas 
has simply said, we're going to allow these children to be children. And as they are, we want to, again, encourage them to have the access to the mental health care because none of us can imagine whether it's my daughter, mm-hmm. your daughter, your son, any of us. We have a comedian arguing that kids should be taking puberty blockers, kids who are gendered dysphoric. I don't trust anybody right now about these issues. I'm sorry, but I do trust this individual we're about to meet. Her name is Christine Rebstock. She happens to be conservative. She happens to be a trans woman. She's in her 50s. She waited until she was in her 50s to undergo uh, the things you have to undergo to transition. Uh, Christine, welcome to Newsmax. And I understand that you have grave concerns about what's happening, the emphasis on the uh, on transitioning, especially when it comes to children. Just do me a favor. You've been watching this all very closely. What's what are you most concerned about right now? Oh, good evening, Greg. I could tell you, John Stewart, I don't know where he's coming from. He is so wrong. I think he should stick to his own TV show. The idea that someone could just simply put a pause on puberty or medicate a kid going through it without any uh, long-term health repercussions is stupid. It's wrong. And the problem is this is coming from our schools too, sir. This is where these kids are being taught that, hey, being trans is cool. It's a fad. Gender dysphoria is real. I I didn't choose to be trans. No one does. Now, if there was a choice, I would never go through this. You, you underwent the treatment to transition from a man to a woman, and that uh, entails a great deal of estrogen um, yes. artificially introduced into the body. And I understand that you've had a, a terrible uh, diagnosis. You might have leukemia. Correct. You believe that that is linked to the excess estrogen that you've been taking. My estrogen levels were higher than normal. They're almost double what a natural born woman's would be. I had it retested the other day. I don't see my endocrinologist for another month. My primary care referred me to an oncologist. I went this past week and there were red flags. White blood, high white blood cells is generally an onset of leukemia. Luckily, they're not high enough for immediate action. But right before Christmas, I have to go back and I'm going to see what happens. And again, yes, I was adult older through puberty. But if a child were to get to see Greg WPATH, that's transgender health, they've already aged where a child could get on hormone replacement therapy to 14 years old. Surgeries for trans boys or confused girls could get their breasts eliminated at age 15. Bottom surgeries for both trans boys and trans girls at 17. This is insane. They haven't even graduated high school. Uh, Can we let the kids grow up, please? So where do you think this is coming? It seemed to happen overnight, and I know it didn't, but the emphasis on trans issues and transitioning and this fixation on children and, you know, cross-dressers going into the schools for the story time and all that stuff. It's like this national craze. Why did this happen and who's behind it? 
well, all this you heard about trans rights stuff comes from Joe Biden. One of the first things he did after he declared war on our energy independence was to say hey, to the trans community, I have your back. And that was a very negative thing for us. And somewhere in the school system, it's called social emotional learning. That comes from the Department of Education in the form of your school lunch grants. And that filters through the states and through to the municipalities, the schools. This is where the gender ideology is being taught. If we weren't teaching this in school, we would have very we would have a lot less gender confused kids. See, this is something that should start in a home and go to private LGBT organizations with the parents and some therapists and counselors. Right now we have states like Connecticut State Statute 19A-14C allows mental health professionals to treat minor age kids without parental knowledge or consent. This opens the door for them to see an endocrinologist. And I know it's happening because listeners on other radio shows I call have reached out to me. I had a heartbreaking chat with a, someone last week for an over an hour. See, this could be your kid, your grandkid, your nieces or nephews without knowing it. And they're poisoning their bodies as kids. Well, Christine, we have to leave it there. You have a very unique perspective and I believe a very valuable perspective on this uh, crazy conversation that's been happening coast to coast, a voice of reason and sanity. We appreciate it, Christine Rebstock. If you want to follow Christine, you can on Twitter at Christine R-E-B-S-T-1. Let's put it up on the screen if we have it at Christine R-E-B-S-T-1. There it is. Thank you very much. And we'll be right back. Thanks, Greg. American soldiers of the 10th Mountain Division scaled that 1,800-foot cliff at night, caught the Germans by surprise, captured, captured key positions, and broke through the German defense line at a pivotal point in the war. Just imagine, I mean this sincerely, I say this as a father of a man who won the Bronze Star, the Conspicuous Service Medal, and lost his life in Iraq. Imagine the courage, the daring, and the genuine sacrifice. He didn't lose his son in Iraq. He did not. This is stolen valor. This is horrible. A terrible lie told by Joe Biden this week, and just about nobody talked about it. Nobody covered it. They all know it was a lie. How do they ignore something like this? I am fascinated, and uh, we bring in now Craig Shirley, one of our favorites, the presidential historian, and he put together the greatest speeches of Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of the United States. Um, he's also done many, many other books, especially the books on Reagan. I love those, but this is available wherever books are sold. Craig, that was a horrendous thing we just saw from uh, Joe Biden. How does he get away with it? I, I, well, obviously, he, Greg, he's is covered up by the national media. He has them in his hip pocket. They're ultra leftists. He's an ultra leftist. Lying is actually part of corrupt liberalism. The ability to tell lies about culture, about politics, about economics. You know, they're in still in denial. Uh, the White House is still in denial about the about our, our, the recession. Uh, you go out across the country. American people will tell you uh, gas is too high, groceries are too high, interest rates are creeping up, uh, is that in, in every measurable sense, 
uh, the, the Biden economy is in horrible, horrible condition. And yet the Biden White House still, they're just whistling past the kudzu or past the graveyard. Uh, it's really remarkable. I've never seen a president get away with being such a blatant liar. You know, all presidents tell white lies. All presidents fib. You know, they, they you know, uh, they don't really, sometimes they curb the truth and they get caught on it. But this guy just, you know, he's a fabulous. He tells his lies and then he believes them. Like he was in the Naval Academy or he graduated the top of his class at Syracuse. And by the way, his lies are not just recent. They go back many, many years. Uh, Greg, it is really a tragic thing. That's what makes our media Newsmax and the Washington Times and the Washington Examiner and talk radio so important because because who else is going to get the truth out if we don't get the truth out? I know leftists. My mother, I was having a conversation with my mother this morning, and she has a liberal friend who didn't know anything about the border. You know why? Because they don't get any truth from NBC, CBS, or ABC. They don't get any information, whatever, about the economy, about the border, about inflation, nothing. For them, it's just merry go, you know, walk down Primrose Lane. Uh, if you're in the liberal ultra leftist media, panting and slobbering and giving a, uh, you know, tongue baths to Joe Biden. And you know what? And if you are uh, a normal person and you're not politically minded or, you know, just going about your life, you're not going to necessarily seek out right. voices like Newsmax. You're just kind of go with the flow. And NBC is right there. It's kind of ubiquitous and all that mainstream stuff. History, I hope, I hope will hold him accountable. And maybe uh, we'll have some accountability in uh, just a couple of weeks. We'll see. Craig Shirley, we have to leave it there. I want to show your book once again. People, you'll love it. It's such a treat, as well as all of Craig's other books. Thank you, sir. We'll be right back. Have a great weekend. See you Monday.